Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. All right, you heard the lady, Brian McWilliams here with Electric Liberty Land. Guys, this is episode number 34 on this here fine show, which means you can go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL34 for all of the show notes and goodies therein. Now, today I am joined by a very special guest, uh, someone who's been a friend of our podcast, gone back and forth, and a uh, a friend to liberty, the one and the only Remzo W. Martinez of the Remzo Republic. What's shaking, Remzo? Wait, you mean this isn't Felony Fridays? Oh, my bad. I guess I'll settle for this. Thanks, Brian. I was told (laughs) Felony Friday was going to be canceled in lieu of two Electric Liberty Lands, and I need to talk to Mark about that, because frankly, it's what the people demand. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for letting me on, Brian. Been a fan since day one. Awesome. Well, good to hear it. Right back at you, my friend. So... You know, it's good to have you on because uh, we're going to get into your documentary a little bit later uh, in the podcast, but it ties in very well with all of the, I don't know, I'm just going to call it a shitstorm that has been going on with free speech, with media bias, with the protests and counter protests. So we're going to get into that at the end of the show. There's a teaser for people to have to keep listening. But there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on that came from the original Charlottesville protest and all of the fallout from that, where the neo-Nazis and the alt-right combined for this Unite the Right march. There was a massive amount of counter protesters there in the thousands. I think it was like, you know, 500 neo-Nazi and neo-Nazi light and uh, something like, you know, a couple thousand of these counter protesters, including Black Lives Matter and Antifa, et cetera, which resulted in a mass amount of violence partially to blame on the fact that the police officers had forced this uh, this Unite the Right rally out of the General Lee Confederate uh, Statue Park or whatever they call it. I think it was just called General Lee Park or Robert E. Lee Park. And now Monument Park. It. Monument Park. There you go. Yeah. So they forced them out of the park and essentially into the waiting arms of thousands of counter-protesters and then disappeared from the area completely. And were, as the ACLU confirmed, basically told to stand down. Now, in the wake of that, because I don't want to go too far into this, I just did a whole podcast on it, but in the wake of this, we've seen all sorts of fallout from politicians and everybody uh, looking to virtue signal, to looking to, to put forth a very progressive agenda. And one such event that took place was Governor Cuomo in Albany. He announced that he said he's going to push through something called the Charlottesville Provisions, or at least try to push through the Charlottesville Provisions. And this would be penalties for rioting and inciting to riot that would be increased and essentially would extend so that if you riot or uh, or organize and march and it's against or perceived as being against a protected class, it's now being considered as its own little hate crime. So, Rimzo, what's your take on the fallout from this? And what's your take on specifically Cuomo putting forth this... Uh, provision, which seems to be a nice way for the left to turn away any sort of march they may or may not like and uh, squash people's right to assemble. Protected class. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that term, protected class, because last I checked, I thought the public at large was a protected class. Right. Oh, but, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it really... Like, like, I feel like I'm yelling against the wall half the time. Like, you know, I, I'm like in one of those Twilight Zone episodes where I'm trapped in the middle of a void and I'm just screaming, can anybody hear me? Can anybody hear me? Because here, here's the giant trap. Um, one, CNN is one of like it's probably the dumbest network in all of human history. But I also think the IQ of avid CNN listeners and viewers are actually like subpar human. Like we're talking Cro-Magnon man, because here's the problem. Everyone wants you to pick the side of whether or not you're for the Nazis or you're for the commies. But here. 
here's what it all boils down to. And this is what scares me because we saw this in the wake of the Oklahoma City bombings. We saw this post 9-11. We see this after every shooting. We see this after every underwear bomber attack, what have you. It all comes down to this. It's collectivism versus the individual. We're so caught up trying to segregate ourselves. I mean, we, we live in the most prosperous country in the world, but we're too busy trying to segregate ourselves based off how we appear, based off what we you know, say to ourselves, based off who we are around. We're constantly segregating each other because we're in constant fear of this great myth of everyone trying to kill everybody that CNN and the mainstream media has been trying to push out. But, you know, the great thing about that eclipse that happened on Monday, you know, look outside to the people that were going blind by the sun. In my neighborhood, I could tell you, we have black people, Muslim people, Korean people, white people, Mexicans, you name it. Everyone went outside. They went outside to enjoy something. And what that should remind people is that we everyday people, and I'm talking especially a flyover because they're just caught between everything. When we actually look around and interact with people, we look at our friends, our coworkers, our peers, our colleagues, whatever, we're getting along just fine. Mm -hmm. It's everyone on the coast in the major cities on the major mainstream networks that are saying that we're all trying to kill each other while we're all just living our lives because a lot of people are too busy worried about how they're going to pay their you know, government pay and protection money other than, you know, whether or not they're triggered by a statue or something. Yeah. But well, this is what it comes down to. It's just, you know, it's Cuomo and all these other progressive controllers trying to, you know, put us into these, quote, protected classes. Really, it just keep us more and more segregated. It's no longer just, you know, we're mentally segregated. It's now we're going to be segregated through force. We're going to start going after people that say anything inherently, quote, hateful. This is what it's coming down to. We're going after the individuals. And that's well, how they win. That's been happening for a long time. And, and many people, myself included, have insisted that the more you try to legislate or regulate or classify these people, as the left does so often with, say, with again, like you said, protected classes or saying that uh, you can't say certain things to certain people or that certain people deserve certain benefits because of their status or because of their, their certain class, you do make a far better strides in dividing people than you do to getting them to come together in any way, shape or form. I mean, you look what happens to... So you've got Cuomo saying that, OK, now we're going to ban uh, we're going to ban rioting because it's against a protected class. So anybody alt right essentially now, because as we know, now the alt right are equal to Nazis de facto. That's what the media has branded them. So they are now Nazis. And don't get me wrong. The alt right has a lot of uh, sympathizers and white supremacists within that group. But again, as a whole, I'm not going to say they are all Nazis, but. You've got this so you can say, OK, under Cuomo's law, now you can't assemble or you can't ride. You can't do anything because that's considered a hate crime. So you've got that going. Now, at the same time, while you've got Cuomo saying that, you know, I just totally lost my fucking train of thought. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and save you, Brian. Oh, God Here's damn my it. thing. Here's my thing. Where was Cuomo? I had a Cuomo? great point I was going to make, too. <laughs> Where, where was Cuomo? Where was de Blasio when Black Lives Matter were going through the streets saying – um, you know, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon when they were actually going out and killing cops. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, de Blasio's off at the G20. Cuomo's hooking up with that chick from Food Network. I mean, the, it only matters when it goes ahead and goes of their specific agenda. And, you know, it's funny because this past, you know, couple weeks, Brian, on the Twitters, I've been called either Beaner Supreme or I'm a white supremacist. <laughs> I, I just can't win. There's no in between. Yeah. There is no in between. It's either Beaner Supreme or you're a white supremacist. Because here's the thing. CNN, the progressives, they want everything to be relative. I remember in high school, I had a, I had a teacher say that the KKK was just as bad as ISIS. Yes, in terms of like the grand scheme of life, they're both really despicable. They're both equally as disgusting. But in the United States, we did a pretty good job of crushing the militant wing. The yeah, FBI, you can go and doubt. check. And yeah, you can go ahead and check out. There's a really good documentary. Well, called, I think it's called the. Yeah, well, there's hardly but, any KKK even in existence anymore. That's why exactly. whenever people refer to them, I'm like, you understand, you're talking about, you know, one one tenth of one tenth of one tenth of a percent of the population at this point. They've been pretty much it, eradicated. It, exactly. But there's a really good documentary called The FBI versus the Klan or the KKK. Go, go Google it, folks. And, uh, you know, it. 
America, we do a pretty good job at crushing that stuff because we hate bigotry. We hate racists. So we take care of that. I mean, how many times do we have to remind people that the sins of our country were washed away of the blood of millions of Americans during the Civil War and every other thing we've done since? You look at Selma. Those streets were literally soaked in the blood of martyrs that were trying to fight for racial equality. But, you know, uh, CNN, Van Jones, I absolutely hate Van Jones. He's going around saying, oh, you know, this has been the the surge in white American violence. Yes, you could find isolated cases throughout the United States, but they've been trying to create that connection for years. Look at every mass shooting. They're either blaming Tea Partiers or Sarah Palin. Right, Meanwhile, well, Ferguson is on fire and people are dying. This is this is their plan. Well, this is the point I had made to somebody in a Facebook under, you know, argument that was going back and forth is making that exact example, saying, look, this is not some some massive uprising. We're not seeing Nazis, just Nazism springing up all over the United States in mass from uh, from white you know from white guys that are just like looking one day and going oh shit you know what Trump's in office well I guess it's time for me to finally become a Nazi like people aren't sitting around checking off the calendar dates until it's finally time for Nazi you know Nazism to rise up again and hold on I got to get back to my original point because I remember what I was going to say so we're talking about how how you know why is why is bigotry so so eradicated or for the most part eradicated to the point we don't have these extremists anymore or very small pack pockets of them? And again, it's because people dialogue so much now. And while social media has given rise to asshole movements like Antifa and like extremists on the left and, and extremists on the right as well, it does allow people to interact more and people are interacting more every day. And a perfect example of this and the, and the Essential, like how essential free speech is and how essential it is for people to be allowed to congregate and get their ideas out and be heard without being shouted down or attacked all the time comes back around to Charlottesville. And in the wake of everything that happened in Charlottesville, a group of uh, African-American nationalists got together with a group of white nationalists. Again, to my point that they're not all white supremacists. They had a joint press conference in Charlottesville and basically said, look, this is how we should be doing it. You need to talk. You need to have an exchange of ideas. We have been talking already, and we want to show you that this is how it should be done. We agree on some things. We didn't know, but we do agree. We'll never agree on other ones, but at least we're talking. At least we can find some middle ground and work it out. And if you've got assholes like Cuomo here saying, well, no, now you can't riot or you can't march and you can't assemble and unless it's, you know, if you're going after these offended classes, then you're eliminating any, po any possibility of that happening. Especially because, as I've said, and, and I said this on a, a previous podcast as well, the more you squash people's available to actually air their ideas and bring them out into the light, the more people are going to just recess into the corners of the Internet or into the corners of small communities where that echo chamber becomes so pronounced that the extremist ideas have no they have nowhere to go. They're just automatically going to foster and get more and more uh, extreme and violent as time goes on. Exactly. I mean, don't you think that um, what's his name? Richard Spencer. And for the record, most of Richard Spencer's, quote, rallies, all of them combined from the past couple of years don't even t tip the amount of people that attended BronyCon 2017. So <laughs> just take that into consideration. Which, and if you don't but, know what that is, that that's the one that's the My Little Pony convention, right? Yeah, those those guys <laughs> are. I know that. Yeah, the, I think that actually happens in your neck of the woods. Oh, I'm sure it does. Although it wasn't, uh, maybe it wasn't the Brony convention. Oh, the furry convention this year, by the way, was canceled, or one of them was canceled because there was one guy who was a fox and he had some sort of, he had an armband, he had like a, a, a colored armbands, and everybody in his group had a different colored armband. But because of his name, which was Foxy something or other, and this armband, which was like a black armband, people said that he was spreading uh, Nazi regalia, and he was a white supremacist, and they attacked him in all these communities, they banned him from the event, and then eventually they had to shut the whole thing down. Hey, Brian. Was that you? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, what does the fox say? Oh, I can't remember the noise he makes. Can make Sing the noise. Ah, oh. <laughs> I had to do that. I had to do that. My bad. <laughs> uh, it's all good. I'll permit it this one time. <laughs> but just um, to, just to wrap up this this one co topic, though, I mean, like you're saying, Richard Spencer's his rallies did not get massive turnouts. Neither did this last rally. When you look at it empirically, this is supposedly to unite all of these right groups that are on the fringe. And they still got, what, between 200 and 500 people there? This yeah, is not a movement that we need to be afraid of. 
Yeah, I mean, most of these people are just internet trolls that decided to come out of their caves. And guess what happens the one time they do? They get the crap beaten out of them by a bunch of communists. Right. Right. I mean, which I'm it, not saying is, is a good is a good thing, and I don't I don't think all, getting beaten is going to uh, to make their views soften. I think if anything, it's going to make their views harden. Whereas these people may have emerged from this a couple of years from now, left alone, uh, they may have just been like, well, you know what. I don't believe those things anymore now that I'm older and I'm I'm talking to other people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but but what does that point make? The alt-right is primarily internet trolls that act like bullies, whereas the alt-left, Antifa, whatever they whatever, you know, crazy nickname that's thrown on them by Fox right now, they will actually beat the crap out of people. They are actually violent. They are everything they say they are against. And, you know, going back to my point earlier, don't you think that Richard Spencer loves the fact that they were attacked and for the most part you know they were driven in by everyone that whole thing was blown out of proportion and allowed to become so violent um just go look at the base stick dude online and you know they're they're all they're all crying victim now they're all crying martyrs and for people that were sitting on the sidelines that were sympathetic to them now now they feel more mobilized they're more inspired this is exactly what they wanted to a degree look at uh, jason kessler former obama um yeah he organized the event yeah he organized occupy wall street talk, talk about a generation of people talk about a small movement of people that actually were able to cause catastrophe everywhere and each time one bad thing happened like you know one occupy wall street protester dies mm-hmm. you know their whole movement becomes validated because now it's like oh you're either for violence or you're against it and it's like no Look at the situation. Understand how this happened. This is what they want. The alt-left wants you to go after the Nazis. The the Nazis want you to go after everyone else. Who's the biggest loser in this process once you get involved? It's all of us. Oh, exactly right. Well, it's the same thing. Like, look at – you referenced 9-11 earlier. Look at – at the backlash, not the backlash, say, look at the response from the government in the wake of that and how that affected regular people. Okay, 9-11, we're going over, we're, we're, go- we're going over in Afghanistan, we overthrow their government, we're still there today. And I think Trump, uh, we're recording this on Monday, and I, he's going to speak uh, about the Afghanistan mission. And, and it's widely believed we're going to be sending 3,500 to 4,000 more troops to Afghanistan at this point. So we've got a... Thousands and thousands of people going to Afghanistan. We've upset their entire culture. We've upset the entire region at this point, stemming from 9-11. But the most people, the people that are getting affected at home, it's not Americans because of the bombing. What happened in 9-11 was tragic and horrible. But after that, how many domestic terror attacks have we had for Muslims? Maybe one? Maybe I, I can think I can think of Boston. That's and that's and that's, that's that's about it, it. Right? I can't think of anything else. And you say, okay, so we've had one domestic target. And again, that wasn't even from necessarily from an outside entity coming in and attacking us. But what happens from this? We get the NSA reading all of our electronic communications, all of our digital communications, all of our phone records are being kept. You've got a, uh, a TSA, which is infringing on people's rights daily, groping people in airport lines. And it's like it opens the door to all of this horrible, horrible legislation in response to this. So like you're saying – these events are just excuses to further put shackles on the general population of America, not the extremists that it's targeting, who really the odds of them doing anything or accomplishing anything are so small anyway, it doesn't even matter. But it affects all of us in a profound way that hardly ever, ever can get put back the way it was. Truth, truth, absolute you know, truth, brother. Let's continue on talking. I was going to I was going to say this to the very end, but let's let's save the NAFTA stuff for the end. Let's just go right into the the recent Boston uh, protest. So here's what happened in Boston. And this this harkens to what we we're just saying about the Antifa people uh, getting what they wanted the and the right wingers getting what they wanted. Now, this event that happened in Boston, it was called a free speech rally. And it was like 100 people who, by the way, were absolutely not the neo-Nazi alt-right. They were just people who were saying, all right, we're going to have a free speech rally. This is from every report I've read, basically. But it's immediately labeled as an extremist alt-right rally, even even though that's not fair at all. And I saw libertarians were there, too. So it really pisses me off now that libertarians are being lumped in. And obviously, Chris Cantwell has not helped that. But this 100 people had this little rally and some 30,000 people decided, well, now we're going to get out there and we're going to march and we're going to virtue signal and we're going to we're going to cause a bunch of a bunch of shit. Now, for the most part, they were peaceful marches. But at the same time, 
you also had Antifa there who were attacking people, including the police. So what are your thoughts on on this Boston protest, the the crowd response and all this, you know, again, people getting all jazzed up now so that essentially free speech has been labeled as hate speech. (laughs) I mean, that that was always the goal. They could never get rid of it, you know, up front. Harry Reid tried to do that. He tried to actually get the First Amendment um, Mm -hmm. amended to destroy the freedom of speech, freedom of press, all that jazz. But what what does it say, Brian? Um, You know, free speech is now hate speech. And now you have, you know, the left basically. And, you know, I'm going to bring up Mitt Romney because he really pissed me off (laughs) because, I I mean, come on. How can he dare equate the Antifa and their violent thugs to anything virtuous, but it's basically, you know, they're condoning acts of domestic terrorism because Antifa is by the book, a domestic terrorist organization. They're condoning violence. So what does that mean? That means war is peace suddenly, because Mm -hmm. don't you think they want a race war? Because there's no such thing. Now there's no better coverage than war coverage. And what's better than a war at home? Um, they're doing that. I mean, this is this is how you give the progressives what they want. And I know I keep sounding like I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but th- this is what it all comes down to. If you're looking at this and you think this whole thing looks like it's not what it seems, if you think it's just a bunch of, you know, uh, if you think it's, uh, you know, go full Axe Jones, if you think it looks like a false flag, <laughs> let me tell you, this is probably your textbook definition because the Antifa groups are literally being paid to be there. You could look at all the Soros organizations that have ever come about to help Occupy Wall Street. The same people that were doing Occupy Wall Street are the same community organizers that are setting up Antifa. They're busing people out from Washington State, from California, from Oregon, from all the communist hotbeds in the country. And I feel I feel silly saying this, Brian, because now I sound like one of those people. (laughs) Oh, now they're just crazy. There is evidence to it. I've, I've seen it. Yeah. I'm not quoting anything that hasn't been verified. And folks, I don't even go on InfoWars. I I go just to the regular sources. I even go to the, quote, mainstream sources. But this whole thing is meant to do one thing. It's meant to take the individual out of the equation. You, your peers, your neighbors, your friends, your family. It's meant to remove you and them from the process and put you into one side or another. And oh, that's what this is. Clearly. It's, and you know, it's funny. We're talking about how a uh, nothing distracts the populace like a war. They are, without a doubt, trying to pair people against each other over these minor issues. And you look at the issues of the day. I mean, look, not that racism isn't something to be abhorred and to try to eliminate, but when you look at the overall scale of things, it's an issue that while it's something to be cognizant of, it is not the driving issue of the day. Yet that's what it has without a doubt become at this point. And you've yeah. got people, you've got Black Lives Matter out there, which people still, you know, I saw a couple different petitions. One was to label Antifa as a hate group or as a terrorist organization. And that actually got enough signatures to pass. Meanwhile, Black Lives Matter is also, people are also trying to have that be categorized as a hate slash terrorist organization because of what they've done, because of the cops that are being killed uh, in the name of Black Lives Matter. And, you know, Black Lives Matter, if you actually read their manifesto or their basic goals, they are completely reasonable. The actual originally stated goals, their goals that in truth, any libertarian would get behind and be like, this is perfectly reasonable. This is people that just are trying to have equal rights. But then you, I totally understood them until people started dying in the process. Right. Exactly. And you go, what is, it's like any movement. They, you have the extremists that have now taken over and they've bastardized the message. Like the tea party, uh, that was an originally, Ron Paul created the Tea Party. It was done as a pushback and his message for small government to push back against taxation and for more personal freedom. And that just got taken and ran with it. And Sarah Palin was their spokesperson. You go, how the hell did this happen? So the same things happened with BLM and Antifa, where you've got these extreme organizations pushing out there. And now you've got the mainstream media supporting them. No one is going to say Black Lives Matter is out killing cops and and calling it like it is. No one's going to say that Antifa are violent thugs that are inciting riots and attacking cops, which is exactly what happened in Boston, by the way. There was yeah. some some, you know, 30 Antifa members that were holding up not only holding up signs. I saw a sign from the Boston rally. As again, this is a person on the left that's marching for, quote unquote, peace, mind you. 
and anti-fascism, but holding up a sign that said, all my friend, all my favorite friends kill cops. And then you've also got them sitting around throwing rocks, throwing urine, throwing bottles at the police who are just there trying to basically keep the peace and doing what we would hope police would do rather than walking away and standing down as they did in Charlottesville and letting and just letting mobs attack each other, rip each other's shirts. And and here's the thing. Right now, the biggest focus is the statues. And, you know, I always try and state my bias. I'm proud to be an American, but I thank God that I've been living in the South. I do. You know, I am a I am a proud Virginia resident. I've been in Virginia since I was a you know, since I was barely a teenager. But here's the thing. I totally understand that, you know, when you look at why those monuments were put up, they were put up mainly because it wanted to, you know, the this, the South wanted to prop up the image of the lost cause mm-hmm. of, um, you know, their their aspect of history. And, you know, the reason why you see Lee on the horse is it's supposed to be that whoever is on the horse is a leader of men. And it was always supposed to prop up this, this superiority complex. I totally get that. But at the same time, I also understand that's heritage to a large degree. But I also don't believe in being stupid and showing up with an M16 and saying, no one's going to come take this down. Everyone gets so angry and so stressed out really f- so incredibly fast that no one thinks, huh, let me see. Before this could before this happens, this could have been prevented if maybe I voted in my local election and I didn't vote for people that wanted to take down the statue. I'm assuming most of those people didn't vote at all. Now, you know, I'm only an hour away from Charlottesville. It's a very liberal area. So guess what? When you have liberals in charge, they're going to do liberal things, just Mm. like when you have Republicans in charge, they're going to go out and do Republican things. Notice how I didn't say conservative. (laughs) That's a separate story. But here's the thing. And you know what? If someone wants to reach out to me on Twitter, my handle is Remso101. How about we buy the statue? Have you ever thought of that? If they're just going to take it down, you know, all these progressives want. They're all looters and thugs at the end of the day. Why not just go ahead and buy the freaking statue? How about you go up and vote next time? Yeah, exactly right. And and in that vein, a uh, actually Howie Snowden's fiance had a a, you know posted this idea, and I agree with completely. Is that if people want to save these monuments, and I'm one of the people who does believe, I say, you know, I believe that that it's a piece of art that was created to commemorate a time in history. Now, whether or not you support that is up for debate, but. If you want to keep it going and people want to take it down, instead of shattering them like the like this one Black Lives Matter uh, gal did somewhere, she you know she's like an extremist that just destroyed the statue. Make the effort and say, okay, if you guys want to take it down, if you find it offensive and it's reasonably reasonable at least, okay, we'll take it, we'll put it in a museum, or we'll take it and put it on private property, like you're saying, or put it in a private gallery that people can come and pay money to see. Use it in a different way rather than just saying, well, we're going to fight to keep it here. We're going to riot. We're going to protest to keep it here and just make this into a, a complete cultural war. There's ways around it. You know, there are ways to solve these issues. And I mean, what do you think about that though, too, is, is there something to be said for preserving art in general and, and looking at these statues as art rather than uh, cultural statements? I mean, here's the thing. If the left is going to defend a painting of Jesus Christ put in a bowl of urine, then I have the right to say I don't think you should go ahead and completely put TNT on the Robert E. Lee Memorial. Right. Um, that's, you know, by the way, that's the exact—I'm yeah. glad you said that's the exact— thing that sprung to my mind is piss christ i think it's the actual name piss, well, actually, that's actually what it's called yeah and so yeah exactly right man if and the left will rally in support of piss christ to keep that thing in on display and wherever it is despite the fact that it is possibly the most offensive thing you could ever create to a large portion of the population but you don't have people marching around it to keep it there because conservatives uh, who are the people that would be most offended by it, aren't going and demanding that it be uh, torn down or marching or or breaking things uh, to, to raise a ruckus. Yeah, besides, if we want to get angry at anyone, I mean, remember the whole draw Muhammad thing back in Texas a couple years ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, how about this? How about this? It's a very revolutionary idea. So, folks, just, you know, just hold on to your seats. What if we just didn't hurt people and didn't take their stuff and we didn't use the government as a violent middleman? Is that too crazy to ask? For many people, that is beyond crazy to ask. 
I mean, I, I think you, we and I, we and I both know that. <laughs> but what's funny yeah. is I was talking to Dave Smith on one of our uh, LALDLs, and I was like, okay, most people can't wrap their heads around that. How many times can you say that fast? LALDL, LALDL, only two. <laughs> but you know, my, I've always came from this as a position of like, okay, people, their minds will explode if you try to get them to buy the concept that you don't need government as the middleman, that government should not be taking away people's private property, but. You, the average person can't accept that. So I was always like, okay, we need to introduce it to him slowly. But what's funny is, uh, is Dave, he made the point. He goes, you know what? Even if you're doing it slowly, because people can't wrap their heads around it, because it's just like, it's basically arguing to them, like, think of the, the farthest possible walk you could make. That's like them believing what we believe in. And then he was saying one step farther to full anarcho-capitalism. He's like, you're just asking him to go one step farther. So it's like incrementalism doesn't work, essentially, is what he was saying. And and I, I think I might agree with him at this point, because look what's happening with the left. They make absurd demands, and then they're the ones that are still getting a lot of what they want, because people are allowing that. They make it a crazy demand, like this chick at Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, who wrote a pub, for a publication called The Leo, basically saying that all white people should give their property to black people when they die. So you make a, a claim like that, and then maybe somebody goes, well, no, but we'll do this for you. So you get incrementalism via extreme messaging. Yeah. Besides, I mean, here, here's my thing and here's my appeal to the left. L- look at what's going on in Europe right now, uh, where you have the Golden Dawn in Greece and you have Identity Europe. And, you know, for the most part, um, they all have very valid concerns. But what's their answer to it? Their answer to it is terrifying. But look at what you have here in the United States. Now, your regular so- socialist sheeple will not tell you that they're pawns they'll tell you that they're all strong empowered individuals which is why they can you know mess around their gender and everything yeah i mean here's the thing though and for anyone that's on the left listening to this it's like if someone was using you for something that's ultimately against your own self-interest wouldn't you want to know and that's the thing you think soros cares about these useful idiots no because at the same time at the same point in time where the Soroses of the world get their way, we're all marching off to the same concentration camp because he hates Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm not the, just pointing the, out him. It's everyone. Like, we're all going to the same terrible destination if we play their games. Well, this is also the problem. You're talking about people saying, wouldn't you want to know if you're being taken advantage of? And at this point in time, I think I could definitively say people don't really want to know because— not because they don't, not because it wouldn't be good for them. Is it not, that extra step? It's that, no, it's, it's, they don't want to know because in this day and age, everybody is so obsessed with identity politics and I, and being on the side of right and the side of virtue and the side that everybody's going to agree with them on that if you actually point out to them that they're wrong, that they've been getting taken advantage of and everything that they've been supporting actually has been counterproductive to what their goals are and even provide them statistical data backing it up as with the welfare state we have right now, they will still reject it and they'll reject it twice as hard as if you never said anything at all because they don't want to be wrong and they can't accept that blow to their ego and their their overall mental state. I I cannot argue with that. It's been proven, because, man. Because, I mean, it's, like it's, a, it's, it's, like, not, it, it's just obvious. Like, part of me still wants to think, okay, maybe if we appeal to emotion, because that's the only thing they understand. Yep, but the feels. I, I think the only way to really get through this is to go after the main people. Because, you know, it's like chess. You could go ahead and put out all your pawns and everything, but you only really win when you're able to checkmate the mf on the other side. Yeah, well, you, thought, you, you would have thought that Trump taking office would have been to the benefit of... Uh, people pushing back against the insanity of the left. But really, now that I look at it, he's given them what they wanted. They, they've got their antichrist to rail against. And as we know, leftism and progressivism is a religion. It has become a religion. And they've got their antichrist to rail against. And all, you know, half the shit that they're pegging on him, he's not even done yet, or he's not accomplished, or, or he never had anything to do with to begin with, like the anti-gay sentiment when he's the only president to take office that supports gay marriage. But they've got. Besides, how is he? How is he racist? I mean, Ben Carson. Do people not remember Katrina Pearson? I uh, dude, it's, like, has that chick disappeared? The one thing, the only thing that they have on him was that his one of his buildings was being selective. They were they were sued because they were saying that they were turning away black applicants 
be, uh, you know, unfairly. And basically that could have just been, they're turning away people that didn't have the requirements for money in the bank or whatever. You know, they're, you're a landlord. And also, I don't even know if Trump directly is responsible for that. I mean, how many properties does the guy own? So that's the, guy's the only a, thing they paid The guy's an international billionaire. I highly doubt he was part of the hiring process exactly. for any of that. And for one building, for one building, not if this is all, not universal across all the properties for this one building, but they're like, see, he hates black people and that's why he's evil. Now, I mean, you could say that he might be somebody who's a little bit sexist and I'll agree with him. I'll agree with anybody who says that. I do think Donald Trump is sexist, but I don't think it's sexist in the way that he's not going to appoint a woman to a position of power or put a woman in place because he feels that men are better. I think he's sexist in the way that He's just a uh, a dude that has always viewed women as objects of lust before he views them as objects of value for other things. Yeah, I mean, that's that's besides the point, though. But you're exactly right. He's given them everything they absolutely hate. But, you know, they they honestly it's like they're celebrating their own self-destruction. We've had amazing job numbers. And, you know, for the record, in case people don't really know anything about me, I was the most anti-Trump guy ever. Like, I didn't vote for him. I was saying that all this bad stuff was going to happen. But you know what? I like being wrong. Mm -hmm. He has proven me wrong on so many occasions. I like saying to people, I was so wrong. And because of that, I'm happy. But the left the other day, and I keep going back to CNN because CNN is the hub of where this stupidity is coming from. They were literally celebrating the fact that the Dow started crashing. (laughs) Right. Thank God people are losing money. It's like, what the actual hell? Well, tell, why don't we talk then? This is a good segue. Let's talk a little bit about this documentary that you're working on. Uh, I think, uh, is the official title Nothing Burger? Or is that a working title? The official title is Nothing Burger, the media versus you. And it's actually going to be a 12-part docuseries that I'm putting together. And ultimately, it comes down to this. When people, for anyone that knows me and they know my bias, um, I can't go ahead and market this to the rest of America because everyone's going to say, oh, he's obviously biased. But here's my thing. I am removing myself entirely from being the focus of the film. It's not like anything else I've done where I'm part of the process and I'm actually on camera talking. I'm going to be directing and producing it. But here's the thing. Ultimately, the mission is this. I want to put the mainstream media on trial in the court of public opinion. And I'm going to be interviewing people in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C., partially because I'm cheap and I can't travel and I live here. (laughs) But um, you know, I'm I'm going to be conducting street interviews. I'm going to be conducting some one-on-one interviews of some prominent uh, media personalities. I'm going to be conducting some town halls where I'm just asking, you know, just flat-out questions. Some of them are going to be like, okay, how many of you trust Katie Couric? Mm-hmm. I'm going to lead to something like, okay, if you trust her, how do you feel knowing that she doctored an entire anti-gun film to make pro-gun supporters look stupid. Do you still trust her? You you know, even though it's supporting your confirmation bias, she blatantly edited things. She lied about her findings. How do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Other things like, you know, you're saying that the right is full of fake news, but do you believe what you're getting from The Daily Show? What about all those people back in 2012 that got their news from the Colbert Report? Isn't that like literal fake news? So I'm I'm going out with that mindset where it's like, okay, let's actually talk about the things that we could prove are really screwed up. And ultimately, it's this. Can we trust the media? Can we trust any news source out there? But at the end of the day, are we even capable of trusting each other when we know the truth? Well, that harkens to what I just, just been talking about, man. This, this uh, It's called the rebound effect. And like you're saying there, even when people are presented with absolute truth that is unassailable, they will still try their hardest with every ounce of their being to reject your premise because of their ego, because of their beliefs and because of their identity politics. So I'm curious to see when you start talking to people and you're doing this interview and, and again, presenting them with these these distinct, inarguable facts what they say and how they try to justify it. Because I think you're going to get some great footage of people justifying things in ways that you would never in a million years believe were possible. Yeah, I mean, reality is much stranger than fiction. But, you know, I'll be asking these questions. But ultimately, you know, I'm not I'm not like Waters World. I'm not going to go out like Alex Jones and go chase people. people. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll ask the questions. I'll th- I'll follow up with a retort. But ultimately, I mean, the camera needs to go on the people I'm talking to. And um, this is this is probably going to be the largest project I've ever worked on. Um, I've already, you know, I, I, j- I launched an Indiegogo campaign. You can go on Indiegogo.com and type nothing burger and you'll see the documentary for that. You know, what's funny is um, I only if you go on Indiegogo like right now, so it might change by the time this episode comes out. You only see one backer. But I've had multiple people, you know, forward me uh, money through PayPal because the thing is they are afraid of having their names associated with this film. Yeah. Uh, not many people I mean, remember this, but when I was at the Media Research Center and I was writing for Newsbusters, I was in the negative crosshairs of Chris Cuomo and Charlie Rose. And you don't make many friends ticking off the king of CNN mm-hmm. and someone who people don't even know if they're really alive or not. <laughs> that's a different point. I mean, this is a film where I need as much support as I can. I know I'm kind of pitching it, but this is the thing. This is going to be very sensitive stuff. This is a very touchy topic. I'm I'm basically in enemy territory. This is one of the most progressive places on the East Coast. And what we're talking about is stuff that people are going to get immediately volatile about. Most definitely. Well, again, guys, I will link to that in the show notes as well. So I'll link to your Indiegogo page so you can see uh, all about the film and what Rendell's got in store. And again, you can find that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL34. And you know what? Let's take a quick break and then come back because we've got to talk about this unbelievable uh, proposal by the uh, Justin Trudeau, Canada's prime minister, where they want to shoehorn in a lot of gender equality and progressive values into the North American Free Trade Agreement. So we'll be right back with more Remzo in just a moment. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. All right, we are back. A little bit more Remzo W. Martinez here from the Remzo Republic, guys. What's up? Yeah. So I want to talk about this just because it was so insane. It just was, it's like a, a nice slap in the face uh, without the ball tickle that I demand from any prostitute that I, that I see. So what basically, <laughs> so basically, Justin Trudeau, uh, the prime minister of Canada and his administration are trying to expand the rules and in NAFTA, in the, the North American Free Trade Agreement. So this is an agreement designed to facilitate trade between nations. They are trying to shoehorn in progressive values and shoehorn in things like gender justice goals and equality for women entrepreneurs in the free trade agreement. Now, Trump has already said that he's not exactly happy with it, which I mean, it would be a horrible thing for everybody uh, in this country, by the way, if that if that did get pulled. But as of right now, you know, this is that the whole idea of this is that it's going to help for free markets. They're going to help free trade. It's going to help Americans get goods at cheaper prices and not, and we don't have to worry about the politics of any other nation. And why the hell would we? So by trying to shoehorn this gender identity and gender politics in here, Remzo, what do you think is going to happen? First off, is there any chance it'll succeed? And number two, what do you think the actual impact of that would be? The actual impact is going to be the exact opposite because whenever progressive policies are put in place, they always have the negative. They always have the exact opposite results they intend because it's always exchanging one, you know, quote protected class for another. But you know, this is just like honestly, we are literally dealing with lunatics, like actual lunatics. 
Like, what do they actually expect? We're dealing with people that still think the wage gap is real. Yep. I mean, this is like I I have no I I feel like I should have started drinking before we talked about this. Well, but, you can start drinking uh, now. I'll wait. <laughs> let me see. I'm trying to see if I have. Oh yeah, I got something. I found just, something. Just drink straight yeah, from so the I'm, bottle. I'm, I'm I'm gonna start drinking. But honestly, <laughs> like who who actually won? progressives are going to go out and they're going to say they're so supportive of this, but 10 bucks says they're not even going to read it. And I know that because I read this stuff. I'm a policy wonk. I love to read white papers and I'm not even going to waste time reading it (laughs) because whenever they do this, it always ends up the same way. Let's go ahead and enforce this. It's going to end up imploding in a sense and end up making everything worse than what it actually was intended to do. Exactly. Because you look at it, okay, the overall goal is to facilitate free trade between the countries. So that that helps any business person that's trying to make deals internationally between the, uh, the affiliated countries in North America. So that's great. That's great for everybody. That means every business can participate and have nice, good times with it. So if you put on... All these regulations now that say, okay, well, you need to have certain X number of women companies uh, that are being forced. They're going to be given like in case people don't know how this works. The government already has a lot of these procedures in place. Like, for example, I know uh, I've worked with doing PR for a lot of women owned businesses. Just being a woman or minority owned business leapfrogs you to the front of the government queue for government work de facto. Um, So this essentially is going to be, I, I think, and again, we don't, we haven't seen the specifics of this yet, but I think this is going to be that type of thing where they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to leapfrog the other country or the other companies that are trying to get approval or trying to get involved in, in shipping, uh, or in this, in these free trade uh, agreements. We're going to try to leapfrog them to the front. Now, what's going to happen there? Number one, uh, sure, some women will get benefit. Number two, a lot of other businesses are going to get vastly shitty repercussions off this that are probably better positioned to address certain certain needs of other countries with their products. Just from the way you explained it, it almost seems like, you know, what, what's it called? Um, affirmative action, but for trade. Yeah, exactly. And That's what it, it sounds it, like. Yeah, like it, it essentially just sounds like state-sponsored racism, but it's applying to the goods and services that you're pushing across borders. But I, I – and I, I'm so – I didn't want to bring up, you know, um, affirmative action because, it, you know, it it's corollary to what we're talking about. But, you know, I was discussing this with some friends recently and I called I called it what it is, state sponsored racism. Mm-hmm. But this is like this is the goal of everything. And I think this is ultimately what the Antifa, what all, all these leftist organizations want. They want to go ahead and have everything implode from the inside. You know, these anarcho-communists, what, what do they want? They want like the cloud, the cloward Piven strategy where it's like have the state become so – Uh, So big, so bloated, so involved in everything. One day it's going to explode and then it'll just turn into Mad Max's Thunderdome. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, if that's the case, I'm all for it because I, uh, you know, I'm going to get some guns. I've got a I got a number of knives. I've got a dog that's pretty crazy. I'll take him off his meds. That'll protect me. So I'm all for the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome scenario, man. But here's the thing. What do you do for like. Okay, and this is like we're really splitting hairs here, but this is what's going to turn into. Okay, who has a higher ranking in this system, a black man or Caitlyn Jenner? Hmm. Right there, you cannot win that. (laughs) Beside the point. Besides the point. Like you, you can't win. Because the moment you start getting into like the freaking twilight zone of this, and this isn't even fake. This is like an actual thing that people are going to start debating soon because look at how it is on college campuses. You can't even be a white liberal anymore inside of the left because now you're just showing, oh, well, now you're just buying into what we're saying. And because you're uh, just of your complete existence, you're downsizing, you know, you're downsizing exactly what we're trying to do. So they're kicking out white liberals. Oh, yeah. of the day, it doesn't matter how many black people you have. You have one Muslim student that says they're oppressed, and instantly it's the Muslims. When you look at Sharia in any part of the world, like how can you ever say you're a feminist? How can you ever say you're a progressive? You know, Linda Sarsour, how can people not see that they're getting played? I know. Like yeah. this, is, this is progressivism. This Sharia, is what yeah, Sharia law backing leader of the uh, the women's march, and, and and in no way, no one, no one can point out, even from the inside, how that is completely at odds. 
Like this whole thing, it's based off lunacy. If I sound like I'm being flippant about this entire process, it's because this entire thing, like this is what it always leads to. We're all going crazy together, or we're just going crazy one by one, but we're all going to George Soros' concentration camp together. Well, this is exceptionally, God, like, this, ah. this is exceptionally uh, insane, it's because it's, essentially when you try to combine social, social policy and social goals with economic policy, no good can come of it. And, you know, by shoehorning this in here, like I was saying, you're going to have certain businesses that are going to be well positioned that are going to be obviously adversely affected by this. And in the meantime, if you just look at the basic economics involved here, you've got companies that are very good at making a product that have existed and making this product for generations that already have agreements in place. So what's going to happen when you say, okay, well, now you have to completely revamp your either your executive leadership or you're going to have somebody new in the marketplace that isn't positioned with a product, doesn't have the offering, doesn't have the depth of product offerings. Again, all this this social justice bullshit is now going to have a repercussion effect across the prices of a, a large amount of goods for people all across North America. And why the not gains just are going to be pricing. incredibly minor. Like, why not just adjust pricing while we're at it? If I want to go buy a Pepsi for two bucks and, you know, what, what am I? Because, you know, my mom's freaking Korean. My dad's Puerto Rican. They both had a white parent from Michigan, oddly. Like, wh- wh- what's the price for me? Are we going to charge Asians more than blacks? But what about, you know, Muslims? Do See, they charge an equal I amount? would call you a mutt, but since Koreans eat dogs— you would have been eating oh, at don't birth. Go there. Don't go there. <laughs> oh, that's. Are you triggered? Am I triggering going, you? <laughs> like, here's the thing, Brian. I'm not going to punch you. Hell, you're I'm too not far going away. To say anything. Well, that's you. But even if we were like, I'm not going to be violent with you. But that's the thing. At the end of the day, what's going to happen when people start saying that this stuff is bullshit? Right. Like seriously, like John Stossel did the the was it the affirmative action cupcakes where he charged Asians like five bucks and black people two dollars and Asians like it, it like this is what it comes down to. And then when we say no, when we say this is stupid, they'll do what they've constantly been doing. They're going to start burning stuff down, shooting people because they only believe in guns when it supports their cause. Mm-hmm. Um like this is what it always leads to. We're buying into their lunatic fantasies and we need to start calling it what it is. It's lunacy. Yeah. And especially when you have it, when it's, you know, I said before, progressivism is a, is a religion. And because of the way that you look at this as a religion, because they view these values as a moral equivalent. So they say, I am morally superior in my views. And what I'm saying is the empirical good. And so there's no way you can argue against it. That's not going to upset them or anger them. And any action, including violence is now justified in their mind because they are on the side of good. They are Luke Skywalker. Anybody that's on the other side is Darth Vader, and there's no more debate about it. I uh, I like what I had. Well, you know, one of the statesmen from here in Virginia, delegate Nick Freitas. I think it was him who said, "When when when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, mm-hmm. and everything will like the left. They, we're actually watching them eat their own." Because to them, as you keep splitting hairs, as you're segregating within segregated groups, within more segregated groups, like everyone becomes a nail. War is peace. That's what it comes down to. Well, maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe we should root for continued violence from the left and continued uh, self-cannibalism. Because, you know, you look at like Brett Weinstein, the guy over at Evergreen College, who was sent, you know, and I'm sure you know this story. He sent the, a, uh, a letter basically very, very politely protesting a day of absence, which traditionally at the school meant that people of color would elect to not come into class and not show up to show people that they are missed and how much value they have to the society and the school. It instead said that people that were white should not come to campus, essentially saying, don't come here. Uh, you're not. And they made it very clear they would not be wanted and it would be a thing. So Brett Weinstein writes a very nice letter saying, I'm against this because I feel it's, you know, you're telling people that they're being excluded rather than making it optional and voluntary. Yet I respect what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. He was violently uh, I mean, basically, the police had to say he couldn't come to campus because they were afraid he would be attacked by students at this school. And yet, what's happened to Brett Weinstein now? While he's still progressive, he has been on Dave Rubin's podcast, which is essentially a libertarian podcast. And now he has been forced to become more libertarian in his views. So maybe this is our great opportunity. 
Because as the left continues to eat itself, these people that are being pushed out and seeing just how fucking nuts the left really is, maybe they are finally going to have an open mind and be able to talk to us about the overall values of individual liberty. It's either I've been drinking a lot this past couple minutes, or that might be one of the single greatest ideas that's ever been said. <laughs> I'm, that's it. I'm one joining Antifa. I'm going to go inside and rile them up. <laughs> going to start leading marches. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. You join Antifa. Antifa's joining the Libertarian Party. Maybe we're all just going down the same path together. Who knows? Well, I, I know I'm going to hell, so whoever wants to come with me, I'll put you in the backseat. Uh, I'll bring my Robert E. Lee statue with me. <laughs> uh, shit, I'll have to get a bigger car. That's all right. That's, I can upgrade. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, just to wrap the show up. So, in general, I I would say the events that have transpired over the last uh, couple of weeks or a few days here, I would say are up there with, um, at least that I can remember, as up there as some of the, the most crazy violence slash uh reactions to i don't even know how to phrase it i mean i can understand the reaction to a neo-nazi movement but seeing this boston rally where people are thirty thousand people took to the streets uh to protest 100 people that are basically just standing there saying free speech is important i've never seen anything like it in my life in my life and i know you're younger than me but i'm wondering if this is indeed a a turning point in this country and if this is going to be something that's bigger than we even realize we're looking at it right now and maybe we are all going down the same path to hell by allowing this type of thought to to go unchallenged uh because Uh, it seems like people now are are hesitant to challenge it because they're going to be called a nazi and uh and and lambasted as right wing and they're afraid they're going to lose their job so i'm that's what my i'm not actually terrified about and i don't know what are you thinking right now I mean, it's I, I'm a I'm a sucker for symbolism, but look at Berkeley, which was really the birth of the modern free speech movement, you know, in the latter half of the 20th century, and now it's basically the exact opposite of what those people marched for. Um, you know, like things matter. You look at half the things that the alt right are putting on their shields, and it's identity Europa messaging. Mm-hmm. It's this identitarian messaging, which is basically say, "Hey, go back to your uh, European, your white, you know, Greek whatever roots or what have you." Um, you look, look at Antifa. Antifa goes back to the Weimar Republic. They were, yes, they were anti-fascist. They were going up against the Nazis, but they were the militant wing of the Communist Party of Germany. <laughs> People don't remember this during the, you know, during the power struggle that led to the rise of Hitler, it wasn't between people that loved freedom and democracy yeah. and Nazis. Those people were already murdered. It was between the communists and the fascist Nazis. Yeah, it's socialism fact, on socialism, yeah. basically. Just, yeah, to, and just pick your poison. And what's funny is, you know, the left is saying, oh, it's not leftism. No, it is leftism. Not because we say it is, because they said it was. Lenin actually sent a letter congratulating Mussolini for supporting the leftist cause of Marx. Mm. These people are actually like they actually said it. They were proud of it. They've been proud of it. It's only until recently that they're saying no, not because they don't know it, but because it goes against their narrative. They're blatant liars. It's either they're ignorant or they're stupid or they're lying. It's either way. You can pick one of those three options. It's still a terrible answer. But that is the actual truth. God damn but right, as man. we as as we establish, truth doesn't matter. It's all truth relative. does not matter. And people don't. <laughs> people, truth doesn't matter. People don't want to know the actual history of anything. They just want to be able to stick to their talking points and say what's going to get them the most likes on Facebook. And God forbid, if you, even if you do, and this is what I'm saying with your documentary, even if you bring up history, uh, it won't matter. I, it just won't matter to these people at all. They'll find a way to justify the historical acts or say, oh, well, that doesn't matter. It's totally different, even though it's the same thing. At least they'll be caught saying it on camera. At least they'll be caught saying it. And I I can tell people, hey, I wash my hands clean of this. Yeah, true that. (laughs) I do want to thank Remzo W. Martinez for joining me on the show. Always fun to have you on, man. 
Thank you so much, Brian. Had a blast. All right. We'll go the hell together. Yes, exactly right. Skip it all the way. So, guys, listen to the Rumzo Republic. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes. I'll also link to Nothing Burger, his uh, documentary series that he is looking to get funded. Start working on that. Sounds like it's going to be a really cool project, and I hope people will get on board. And again, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL34 is where you can find that. Now, just to wrap the show up, I did want to record a little addendum here on the end after uh, Remzo and I wrapped up, because when I was interviewing with him, uh, we actually had not yet heard Trump's statements on the Afghanistan new troops push. He's basically given Mattis, General Mad Dog Mattis, full reign to decide how many troops are appropriate to go into a renewed push and a doubling down on Afghanistan. At this point, sounds like it's going to be about 4,000 troops. So, in general, this is horrible. Um, the One of the few things that people, including myself, said that Trump was going to be better than Hillary on was foreign policy. Now, to date, he has been all bluster uh, with North Korea. He has bombed over in Syria, despite the fact that there is not even really solid evidence in any way, shape, or form that Gaddafi had gassed his own uh, citizens, or excuse me, not Gaddafi, Assad, had gassed his own citizens. Um, And now he is taking his general's advice, which uh, I'm sure is led by McMaster, head neocon in charge over there, to double down again in Afghanistan. This makes no sense. At this point, this war has been going on for a ridiculously long time. It is obviously the longest war that we've been having, I think, to this point. And what what gains have been made? You know, they're combating the, I guess, the Taliban and ISIS and Al-Qaeda. All of them are kind of running around there ever since we went in and wiped out the overall Taliban. And now we've got American troops in there. We've got some uh, some private contractors in there. And actually, Steve Bannon, the guy who was ousted... As I mentioned earlier, I think with Remzo, he's the only voice that made any sense during this because he wanted to say, pull the American troops out. If you want to have some sort of peacekeeping presence there, we can have private contractors in there, but get the overall troop presence out. And I support that. Well, I don't even support having private contractors in there. I think we just get the hell out of Dodge. Now, Trump, during this this little speech he gave, said that there's no way we can do a, a quick pull out of our troops and that would just end in chaos and whatever else. But I'm sorry. What do we have now? You still got the Taliban and you still get all these other uh, terrorist organizations there that are still pushing the opium trade through the war on drugs. The quote unquote Taliban war on drugs that we uh, that we've tried to do has failed miserably. They're making more opium than they ever did since we started fighting this this, uh, war on drugs in Afghanistan. So that's a failure. It's not any safer. And if you hear actual reports coming out of people coming back from Afghanistan, they tell you, they go, these people, they don't, they're not in this fight. This is literally America's fight. We're still over there. The people of Afghanistan have no interest in actually supporting this. They just, you know, as soon as they, basically the the reports coming from the ground from these these ground commanders that have uh, actually been frank coming back, they've said, as soon as we get out of an area, it's immediately retaken because the people don't try to keep it. As soon as the Taliban or as soon as ISIS comes in, they've got guns. They say, well, this is the way it is. The cops are like, all right, fine. I don't want to die. No problem. The government there is not doing anything. So again, how long is this war going to go on for? It's just, it's, it's never ending. Just get out of there. Pull out. We're done. I mean, we pulled out of Vietnam. Was Vietnam any better or any worse than this? I mean, it was worse, obviously, because we had a lot more casualties, but I mean, If we're there for another 15 years, I'm sure the casualties will start to even out. So it's just such an unbelievable letdown, an unbelievable disappointment and betrayal for what Donald Trump has promised. And you know what? What's nice is he he made himself a little cushion, though, a little bed to lie in, wherein he he wins both ways. Because right now, he's taking the advice of McMasters, who's, uh, from the reports coming out, has been undermining Trump and reporting to other people, uh, you know, trying to basically go behind the president's back. He's made deals with Mattis saying that, well, one of us always has to be here so that Trump can't make any decisions without us. So they're, they're working together to undermine him. They're working together to forward the military-industrial complex. And clearly, Donald Trump has been gotten to. But in his, in his recent speech, he goes, okay, well, you know what? My first instinct was uh, it was still to pull us out of Afghanistan, but uh, I've, been, you know, I've been convinced otherwise, so we'll do this. So, so basically, he's setting it up so that 
no matter what happens right now in Afghanistan, he comes out okay. Because if it's a horrible failure and this shit keeps going for another two years and it says even worse and there's no resolution and the, the new surge hasn't done anything, he can say, okay, well, that wasn't my idea anyway. That was against my first instinct. I never wanted to do it. So now we'll do something else. So he buys himself an out. Either way, he's covered. But it still doesn't excuse the fact that the man has gone back on that promise to all of his voters and to everybody else that's listening, that, that at least was trying to give him a chance by doubling down and making this new push in Afghanistan. Because we all know what's going to happen. He's, now that they're making a big push, Mattis is going to go in there. He's going to go and actually try to eradicate and solve the problem. So if that happens, there's two ways this can work out. Number one, we completely eradicate the Taliban, eradicate ISIS, eradicate all these people, bomb the living hell out of them. We have troops in there. We, we, there's a lot of ground skirmishes. There's a lot of bombing runs. And we end up, yes, maybe we win right now. But what's that going to happen later on? I mean, how's that going to affect people's families? How's that going to affect the children of these people that are getting killed? How's that going to affect the collateral damage of the people that are getting killed and they're getting houses blown up and their hospitals are getting accidentally blown up, as we've seen happen uh, in Syria? Those people are going to have a brand new generation of terrorists coming back at us. Every generation of children that is born there that is under U.S. rule and NATO rule, because, you know, we've already got NATO people that are totally sold on contributing to this. Every new generation just adds to the problem that we're facing. Every new generation that's there while we are still there controlling their country, we are going to be blamed for. They're not blaming the Taliban. They're not blaming ISIS. They're not blaming Al-Qaeda. They're blaming America because we're there. We're still destabilizing the region. We're not solving the problem. We're just putting a boot on their neck and accomplishing nothing. (laughs) I like how my phone... Just blinged right there. Just to be like, yes, good point, Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Moan. Thanks for always having my back technology. Uh, unless the NSA is listening out on this conversation. Anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much again to Remzo W. Martinez for joining me today. Thank you out there in Electric Liberty Land for zapping in for the show, for always being a good supporter. And again, reminder, guys, please do support the show. If that's a review on iTunes, that would be appreciated. If that's sharing the show, that would be even more appreciated. And of course, if you want to join our pride, get in on some of the bonus content we put out there, that is the most appreciated of all. And you can go and find that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. Again, guys, follow us on social media at Brian McWilliams, at Lines of Liberty. Listen to John Odermatt with Felony Fridays. Listen to Mark Claire on Mondays with his in-depth interviews. And always be good to yourself. All right. Anyway, from me, Brian McWilliams, from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to the show.